0: so thankful you're here with us today. My promotion of the 11 o'clock service was too well received. We didn't have very many at our nine o'clock service today because people wanted to be here live. And uh, if you didn't get the message, we are live streaming this second service for people, family members in California or Florida that wanted to also watch these baptisms. So the plan is to do communion now, baptisms next, a little bit more singing worship, then we'll get into the message. Then we'll introduce to you our new members. Uh, Actually, no, we're going to We're going to do some family dedications first, and then we'll introduce the new members, and we'll call it a day. So we're so thankful you're here. Ben already explained that we serve open communion. You don't have to be a member at Oakwood, but we are going to talk to those who have put their faith in Christ, are trusting in Jesus alone for their salvation. You're part of the body of Christ. And so if you would prepare your elements, I encourage you to open the bread first. If you open the juice first, you're going to have a mess in your lap. So if you would open the bread portion and then be prepared for that first. Let me read for you what the Bible says. First and foremost, there's a warning given in 1 Corinthians. It says, don't enter into this lightly. Uh, We can never come respecting the Lord's body and blood in an unworthy manner. And so what we're going to do is just have Ed play this music while you take a moment to let God search your heart. In the busyness of every day there's so much noise we hardly ever slow down and just are quiet and this is a moment we're going to ask you just to quietly say God search my heart see if there's anything in me like the psalmist said in Psalm 139 oh Lord you have searched me and you know me and that's an opportunity for you to see if there, if there's any sin in your life confess that repent that it's not about guilt this morning it's about freedom and we as believers have more everybody say more That song we just sang, I want more of God. Well, he's given you so much more through Jesus Christ. Go ahead and take a moment and just talk to him. Let him do the search of your heart. Chapter 11, in verse 23, we read these words For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. Father, we thank you. We thank you as believers that we have so much more. Your plan to give us more was to send Jesus as a baby on that Christmas morning. And that was when you decided to be with us, a God with us. And then as Jesus went to the cross, we realized that not only are you with us, but you're for us. So, Father, we we thank you for the life of Jesus, for his body that was given on our behalf. The the righteous one, for the unrighteous to bring us to God. So, Father, thank you. It goes on to say, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me partake goes on to say in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me Father, before we partake, we want to thank you. This juice represents the precious blood of Jesus. And God, we know that without his blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So God, again, we're thankful today that we have so much more. We have forgiveness of sins. We, we don't walk around being condemned because you took that for us. And so, Father, we live this life full of all the problems and anxieties that it brings, knowing that we have so much more. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for that offer. Then it says, for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup. understand how much more you have today. You have so much more in Jesus. We're going to take some time now to do some baptisms and these are people that are saying that they understand they have more because of Christ. I want to explain real quickly before we get to those. Uh, We have the little tank here. There's no holy water in there. Matter of fact, to be very honest with you, we filled it this week and I filled it from the outside spigot and apparently that's untreated well water and it was yellow. Yesterday morning, your elders care so much about you guys that yesterday morning we met and they're like, you got to empty it and start over. I'm like, we got 24 hours to heat it and it worked out Jim. It's perfect. It's bath water and it's clear, but it's not holy water. I want to make sure all of you know today that nobody is getting spiritually saved by getting in this tank. We believe in believer's baptism. You come into this tank knowing that you're already a believer, that you've already asked Christ to forgive your sins and come into your life. This moment is a moment of testimony to the world saying, I'm with Jesus. See, the Bible says that Jesus himself was baptized and we are to imitate everything that Jesus does. And so we follow him in believer's baptism. But it's such a beautiful picture as well. Jesus went into the Jordan River and he was baptized and he came up out of the water. But then we know later as he went to the cross, he did die and was buried, but he rose again. And that's what we're kind of acting out in this symbol of our testimony. Each of these 12 individuals, I've met with them individually, and they've all said, yes, PD, I'm trusting Jesus for my salvation. And I'm gonna get in this water, and in my testimony is, I'm gonna die with Christ and be raised to a new life in him. These people are saying that the old is gone and the new is here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the world I'm with Jesus. That's what this is all about. The Harley watch gets put to the side. And we're going to ask for Abigail. Is, is Abigail ready? Yes. Abigail, come on up and in. I'll help you if you want. There we go. See that little brick? Abigail and I have met and talked about this. And you can just stand right there. You don't need to go down you're. Why don't you turn the other way and face the people, though? Because look at all the people right here. We know those people. Yeah. Abigail knows Jesus. Abigail, do you love Jesus? I know you do. Let's do this. Let's put your hand, one hand on your nose. There we go. And we're going to say, uh, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead. Let's go down. All the way down. Yep. You okay? Oh, good. Yay! You got it? Good. and amen. And I didn't bring another shirt. This is going to be messier than I thought. That's alright. All right. Next we have Scarlett Southern. Scarlett, come on in here. And I think you can have a seat. I think it works for you to go ahead and sit right down. Scarlett, we met and talked about this. Mom and dad thought it was right time. Scarlet, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior? I know it. We've talked about it. You ready? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mila. Alright, Mila. Mila and I met with her mom and dad and it was time. Mila felt like it was the moment for her to make this public statement. Uh Myla's been through, like most of us in life, some some hard times and struggles. And she just knew now was the time. She wanted the world to know that she wants to dedicate herself and be with Jesus. Myla, do you trust Jesus for your salvation? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. always good when teens have other teens. Katie was my strength there for that. They were helping each other. This is Katie Allen. and Katie also. I met with her and uh, I love it because I was asking Katie about why she thought this was the time, and she said, "Man, I, I was at Barakel this summer, and I was just challenged, and I came out of that knowing I wanted to to be with Jay. G- I wanted to make sure the world knew that I was with Jesus." And, and she talked about their great speaker. Guess who got who get guess who her speaker was at Camp Barakel this summer? Me! I was like, yes. So Katie has a pastor and a special speaker, and she's like, I just want the world to know. I I just think that's so cool. And Katie, uh, do you trust Jesus for your salvation? All right. Katie, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We're going to bring two brothers out now. Spencer, you're first. I'll tell you why. Spencer came to me months ago and said, Pastor, I'd like to be baptized. And and I always have a meeting with everybody to make sure we understand it. And I I knew Cole and Spencer, they love Quadoba. So I said, hey, Spencer, why don't we meet at Quadoba for our meeting and have burritos? And so we met there, but he can't drive. And so his brother brought him. The whole time we were there, I talked to Spencer about baptism and, and interviewed him for that. And then a week ago, Cole comes to me and says, I need to be baptized. I said, I thought you were. And then I said to Cole, You're the older brother, shouldn't you go first? And he said, No. Spencer started the process first. So we're going to baptize the younger brother first this morning. And Spencer, would you say that you're trusting in Jesus to forgive you for your sins? And I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. To stay and watch him or are you gonna go back. Are you too cold? All right. Cole. I'm excited about this. I some, I don't know who all's been baptized, so I didn't know he hadn't been baptized. I'm excited that he realized I should do that. And, and Cole's got God working in his life thinking about what it might mean for him to serve him in the future. So we're praying uh he might go to Bear Kell work this summer in, in a ministry capacity, possibly to ministry school. Wouldn't that be exciting as a church to send a young man into a ministry school? No, no pressure. No pressure, but we made our decision. You just gotta, all right. Cole, are you trusting in Jesus for your forgiveness of sins? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. We're gonna bring a father and son out now, Levi and Jesse Garcia. We're gonna do Levi first. But I got to tell you, this is fun for me. Um, I'll tell you more about Jesse in a moment. But Levi was here last week. And Levi came up after the service and said, "Uh, my dad wants to be baptized. I want to be baptized with my dad. So we had a talk this week. And I'm excited about that. I didn't know the connections. But as I was talking to Cole, Cole and Levi wrestled together on Oxford Wrestling Team. And so Cole was excited for Levi. And Levi said, yes, Pastor Don, I'm trusting Jesus for forgiveness of my sin. And I do want this to be a, a testimony, to die with Christ, to be raised again into a new life. So, Levi, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Is he your Savior? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And this is Jesse. Jesse showed up here, I don't know, what was it, a month or two ago? I met Jesse for the first time out there. And Jesse looked me in the eyes and he said, Pastor, I'm here today because God has kicked me upside the head. Uh, he, had, he had come to the end of it all. I don't know if you've been there. Uh, he didn't know me from anybody. And that message that morning, Jesse, I preached my path, that I'd gone down the wrong road and that God saved me. And, and it is never too late. Jesse has known God for a long time, but as usual, we we tend to wander and we tend to make some poor choices. Jesse came in and he's like, this is what I need. I need to reaffirm my commitment to Christ, to my relationship with Jesus. And he wants to do that because he wants his family to know. If your family today uh, or friends that he invited, because this guy brings somebody new every week. I love it. He's bringing uh, kids and, and neighbors and whoever else. And he just wants you to know he's with Jesus. And it excites me that Jesse found the right answer to the problems of this world, right? Jesse, are you believing in Jesus for your salvation? Do you want the world to know you're with Jesus? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, amen. 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 Oh, man. It gets better. We got uh, a husband and wife. Ann and Daniel Atchison, excited about this to be able to uh, meet these folks, get to know them a little bit, and you're first, ladies first, right? And we got to talk about this, and it's exciting how God moves in a, in a family's life, and they coming into membership, being part of Oakwood, and needed to be baptized, and so we're excited that you're taking that step today. Anne, have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation? Yes. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We get to experience a little family dedication too, right? Are we doing a, a, a young one today too? Exciting, exciting family day for the Atchison family. This is Daniel. Daniel, same. Question. I know you grew up in the faith, and we talked about that. And I'm so thankful that you were willing to say, you know what, I can tell the world I'm with Jesus. I can be baptized as an adult as a great testimony. Have you trusted Jesus for your salvation? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Mothers and fathers. Fathers and sons, teens and children. This is Jared. I've got to tell you a great story about Jared. I, there's moments when I'm interviewing people that stories happen that I just say, "Oh, thank you, Lord. So we were asking, go ahead and come on in, Jared. We're asking Jared and his wife, they're working toward membership, and I ask him, how, how did you end up at Oakwood? Well, Jared married a, a lady and uh, a year ago, right? January, Just over a year ago. And she said to him, We need to be in church. I need to get back in church. Well, Jared grew up, and his testimony to be he, he kind of struggled with church being boring. And uh, he, he, he knew that he wanted to go to a church that there was some, some life. And this is cool. Jared said, I just remembered somebody two years or a year ago bought a car for me. He's a car salesman. And that person said, You ought to come to my church. My pastor rides Harleys, and he's alive. <laughs> He remembered that and he said, Let's go check out Oakwood Community Church. You know who bought that car? Jared or uh, Fran and Jerry Maddock. Yeah. I appreciate them. I appreciate people saying, Come to my church. Uh, and by the way, I told Fran and Jerry that story yesterday and they said, You know, we invited Jim and, Jim and Cheryl to come years ago too. So they're in the habit of telling people about their church. You should too. Because we get to meet people like Jared, his wife, his family, all the kids. And, and Jared, my question for you is, are you trusting in Jesus for your salvation? Then yes. I baptize you, and I know you want this to be a testimony to your kids, that a father would say, I'm with Jesus. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jared. baptized start searching for me a Rubicon looking for one you know here comes Art we started our baptism out with the youngest and we get to the the more experienced one I love this Art Art I'm gonna tell you he's uh not in his 70s anymore he's he's uh he's had a few birthdays we're gonna do it that way you can do whatever you want Art came to me last week and he said, "Pastor, I, I I need to be baptized." And I'm like, "I didn't know Art wasn't baptized." But you know what his testimony is? He came to the funeral of Kurt. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago we buried Kurt. And during the funeral we showed the picture of Kurt being baptized and how excited he was. And Art said, "I need to do that. I I need to take that step of faith and do that." And we're like, "Yes." I'm excited. My only regret is Pastor Bob wasn't here. I would have loved for Pastor Bob uh, to have been baptizing Art. But Art, are you trusting in Jesus for your salvation? Yes. And are you with Jesus? Amen. I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You need help? What a great day. It's a great experience to to help people to make this testimony about their faith. I hope that it gets you excited and woke up this morning. Why don't we stand and continue to do some singing worship, and then we'll walk into our message.
1: We'll let our uh, keyboard players play something else. Highest of heights to the depths of the sea, creations revealing your majesty from the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring, every creature unique in the sun. Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing, God All-powerful, untamable Awestruck, All we fall to our knees As we humbly proclaim Our amazing guide, who has told every lightning bolt where it should go. Gives source to its light Yet conceals it to bring us The coolness of night None can fathom Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky And you know them by name You are amazing all-powerful untamable awestruck we fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim you are amazing God you are indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name cause you You are amazing, guy Incomparable, you're unchangeable You see the depths of my heart and you Indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God. Incomparable, unchangeable. You see the depths of my heart and you love me the same for amazing guy. thank you, Father.
0: Amen. You may be seated. We'll let the kids go back down. We got the kids to come up and see us today. Everybody say hi to them. Yes. We had Dad here, so Dad had two of his getting baptized today. Wanted to make sure they could experience that. I miss those days when we had the kids up here for worship and then they'd go sneaking off down. I love seeing our children around here. Let's just, let's just do it then i'm gonna fill in the blanks of uh pastor ben's story yes it's true i had an experience this week i'm telling you we wanted roman pillars for our big series in romans it's gonna be in we're gonna be in the book of romans for over a year i thought we need some pillars and and we looked all over the place and ben found some on orientaltrading.com how many of you know orientaltrading.com they look great. They look just like this right here. They look just like that in the picture, but they showed up in a box this flat. And the instructions came out. It made Ikea look like friendly people. It was a flat cardboard. And so I did. I started in I'm, I'm folding these boxes like origami, and you, you stick this tab into that slot and this tab, and then they break off. And then you're in trouble. I'm using pink duct tape on the inside. And literally 40 minutes, I built the box at the bottom. I was so frustrated. Thankfully, Melissa, our second she came in and she says, stop. Just stop. I don't, I don't think she heard any swearing. I don't think that's the case. If it had gone on any longer, I'm not going to guarantee anything. But, but she's like, what are you doing? I so said, I'm trying to build these pillars. And she said, we have people. We have people. What she was saying is, you're not artistic. You need to stop. And so Fran and Melissa put this side together. It took over three hours, right, Fran? and then uh the then and then I told them we have to another one to build, so Fran and Jerry came and built this side they 're going to stop telling people to come to our church, <laughs> but i 'm thankful they they did and yeah let 's thank them for all their hard work <laughs> Jim Bonjourno, the head of our elders he 's a servant, not just a leader he 's a servant leader he 's here yesterday helping us empty and refill and uh, making sure everything is ready so I'm thankful for our church I'm thankful that you're here before we start the bumper video and get into the message today just a, a little announcement that's going to be important for us there's a lot of things coming up and if you're not from Oakwood, you won't understand this completely. I'm going to talk about D&D. When I say D&D, how many of you from Oakwood know exactly what I'm talking about? See, So you don't think I'm a nut person. Uh, our church does understand this. We have some servants, uh, we call them D&D. There's reasons why we broadcast and we don't use their names or where they're at. But they're going to be home from April till August and they need housing. Now praise the Lord, after the first service, we found housing. Amen. I'm exciting about that. But we need to help them have stuff. When they went away, they got rid of everything. Now they're coming back for a short period. They have nothing. So everything you use this morning to drink coffee and to eat breakfast, and not, they got nothing. So we need to take care of them. So we're going to have a... Watch this. A house shower. People from OCO would know what I'm... Uh, you see what I did there? That was really brilliant. A house shower... Oh, there you <laughs> go. Somebody's like, oh... A house shower. We're going to have a house shower where we as a church are going to supply all those things. So that's what's coming. I'm excited that the housing thing is potentially worked out, uh, and I'm really thrilled about that. But we need to prepare for them being with us from April to at least August. And hopefully they'll be out again serving the Lord, okay? If you want to know what the details are, come see me afterward. I can fill you in. I didn't mean to be vague. No, I did mean to be vague, but not on purpose. All right. Show the bumper video. We believe it's true that when Paul penned this, it's the gospel for that day and age. And it was also the gospel a thousand years ago, and it was also the gospel today. It has not changed. And we're studying this book of Romans to find out what did Paul say was truth about the gospel, who Jesus is, who we are. So I'm excited as we jump into this. We are just at the beginning of this series. Last week we introduced Romans and it was just the uh, typical greeting in a Greek style letter. We were introduced to Paul the man, his dramatic conversion. He was brought to Christ uh, in amazing ways on the road and then the beam of light came down and he was changed. Paul was persecuting Christians, actually overseeing the execution of Christians when God called him. And he was dramatically changed. Not only did he stop persecuting Christians, he became the chief voice of the gospel. He wrote over half of the New Testament. So it's Paul the man, Paul's master, he's a slave of Jesus Christ. His mandate, he was an apostle called by God. His mission, he was set apart to preach. And his message, the gospel of God. I'm excited about next week. I hate to look forward to I'm like a basketball coach. Shouldn't be looking forward to next week. You've got to focus on this week. But next week is just two verses. And it's the whole thesis of the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. For it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's the thesis for the whole book. We'll look at that next week. This week we're in part two of the uh, prologue. It's still getting to know the book and what it's going to be about. We're in Romans 1, 8 through 15. If you have a copy of the text or a gadget, let's get there together. I'll meet you there after we pray, and we'll look into this. The big idea for today is Paul demonstrates the heart of a believer. Paul's the example of a true believer. Let's pray. I'd ask you to pray this prayer. You don't have to say anything out loud, But if you just say in your heart, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just quietly give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this message be edified. And may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. Working through this series, uh, I was talking with Julie on one of our trips and and, uh, saying how difficult it is because to go verse by verse and explain the details takes so much time. And I know that that might not meet your needs. Uh, I call that geeking out. We're getting geeked out over the certain scriptures. Uh, But I have decided, me and Julie were talking about, I think what I'm going to do from here on out in our book of Romans is spend about 15 minutes geeking out about words and the greek meaning and trying to explain what's going on but then i'm going to shift and give some application like well okay so what right everybody say so what the end of the message will be more of the what am i supposed to do as a believer because of this now this morning i'm I'm probably going to focus mostly on that portion because time uh, we took some time wonderfully to do this and uh, we're going to have some other things happening so we're going to be short on time today but i will say this If you want more of that geeked-out Bible, verse-by-verse look, go back and watch the 9 a.m. service today, and it'll give you some of the things that I have to leave out for sake of time this morning. But I want to read the whole context to you now, so let's get there. I'll meet you there in Romans 1. Let's start verse 8, and I'll read through verse 15. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith, is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Uh, quickly just can I do quick geek first it starts with the word first typical Paul there's no second and third I I love Paul gets going on a thought and that's it but I think instead of making a a first second and third thought I think Paul was saying most important I want to say this and he says I thank my God for you And then he says later, whom I serve in my spirit. I want to just say uh, pneumus, pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. And that's the word we usually see for Holy Spirit. I baptize these people today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person of that Holy Trinity. But in this word, sometimes Paul uses words and he doesn't mean them the same way he meant them later on. And so when he's saying, the God whom I serve in my spirit... He's not talking about the Holy Spirit there. I believe what he's actually saying is the God whom I serve with everything I've got in me. I think that's what he's referring to there. And then later on in in verse 10, he talks about God's will. We'll talk about that today. Paul lived by God's will. It's what God would have me do or not do. And that was what he lived by. But then did you see in verse 11, I long to see you so that. Everybody say so that. Paul's the master of that phrase. We just finished a, a series on prayer. And we learned that I pray. Everybody say, I pray. So that. Everybody say, so that. So that. Paul always gives the reason. I'm going to do this or this is the truth. So that. So that. And what is it? He wants to impart spiritual gift to make you strong. Now, again, there's typical Paulinian writing there. He says spiritual gift. And right away, we as believers think of the spiritual gifts. The Bible has a list. Paul himself later gives a list of spiritual gifts. Preaching, teaching, serving, giving. But that's not what he's referring to here. I hate to confuse you. I think it's just clear that what he's saying is, I want to impart to you some spiritual benefit. I want to come to you and bless you spiritually. I want to come to you and and encourage you spiritually. And then I love that Paul catches himself and he corrects himself. He goes, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other. It's funny, as Paul was saying, he realized it sounded a little uh, not humble, right? And so he said, I, I'm going to come to you to give you some blessing. And then he like, but you're also going to bless me. I'm going to bless you, but you're going to bless me. It, it's kind of a, a statement of humility that Paul was recognizing that when you serve, you also get blessed. Um, how many of you have ever served on a missions trip before? Anybody been on like a short term mission? We got people in the room here. How many of you that have been on a mission trip would say that you were blessed by that and learned more from that than, than you think we even gave, right? Well, that's true. That's true. The thing I love about the Bible and Christianity that it is a both-and situation. Everybody say both-and. We often think of things as either-or. It's either this or that. But in, in the Bible... It's a both and. You know what? Paul was saying, I'm going to come, and I'm not some mighty Apostle Paul that you're going to be like, you know, I'm just going to give you so much. He's saying, no, I'm going to give you what I can give you, but you're also going to give me. Both you and I are going to benefit from this visit. Missions trips. I, I served as a director of student missions for Vision for Youth International, and I went to a conference once, and the big debate was: I remember the one side gave their thing, one side gave their thing, and then I gotta get up third and try to blend it. One side was saying, missions trips are only about the people we're going to serve. And so therefore, this shouldn't be for the believer to grow. That's not the purpose of a missions trip. You should only send the strongest believers to give, give, give. And then the other group got up and said, but It's a great opportunity for people to grow in Christ. And it's a great opportunity for them to strengthen their faith. And so they might not be perfect, but they should go and learn. And I got up and I'm like, yes. It was a great speech. (laughs) Yeah, it's both and, everybody. Why does it have to be either or? We don't have to send perfect people. By the way, in my time serving with missions and short-term missions, hundreds of people, I've never taken a perfect person. I've never taken a perfect person. But every person that has gone has grown in their faith and had a great experience serving. So I love that Paul puts this all together and he catches himself. I'm coming to give you a blessing and you're going to give me a blessing. And then he talks about he was prevented. We're going to get there in just a second. He was prevented. Why? Because God's will. And then later he says, I'm so eager to preach the gospel and then i got to cover verse 14. How many of you have a different version? And when I read that, you're like, wait a second. Mine says, I'm obligated to both Greeks and barbarians. How many of you have that in your Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, wow, Paul called people barbarians? Well, let me give you an understanding just quickly before we get into the application part. This was pre-Conan the barbarian. See, since, since this writing, we've reinvented the word barbarian to mean this awful person who, uh, you know, slobbers when he eats and, you know, and, and we, we have a mental image of a barbarian, but that was not the Greeks' version of a barbarian. The, the Greeks, and by the way, the fact that Paul had not been to Rome was kind of sketchy, and that's why Paul takes time to say, I'm coming and I've wanted to come, because Paul declared that he wanted to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. To the non-Jewish people. Well, Rome is the center of the Gentile world. And he hadn't been there yet. And and so he's telling them, I am obligated to the Greeks. Now, the Greeks thought of themselves as the cultural center of the universe. They were intelligent. They were well-read. They talked philosophy. And then there were other people that weren't cultured. And when those people came to Rome, uh, the Greek people would, would have this little saying about them. Because they would listen to them speak. No offense, but you ever been down in Georgia? Anybody, anybody ever go down south somewhere? See, when you get down south far enough, I drink s- sweet tea. I get my southern on. I love it. And they speak a little different down there, right? They got that southern draw, and I love those people. I love that. Well, the Greeks would hear non-Greek society people talk, and to them it sounded like bar, 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 bar. And the word barbarian comes from a derivative of that bar, 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 bar. They're just barbarians. That's who they are. And, and, and so Paul is not denigrating people. What he actually is doing here is saying, I'm obligated to all people. Those who consider themselves sophisticated and wise, and those who are just a little uncouth and have a southern drawl. I mean, all people. All means all, that's all, all means. And what Paul was saying, he wasn't diminishing any type of people. I love that the Bible says it's both and. The gospel is both For the rich and the poor. The gospel is both for the Jew and the non-Jew. The the gospel is for uh, uh, the cooth and the uncouth. Right? It's both and. Aren't you happy for both and? Both and is so much better than either or. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Okay, enough geek. Let's move on. So what do we pick out of this when we read this passage? I think Paul is actually a great example for us to follow. Whenever we preach about Paul, we hardly say, do what Paul does. We often talk about do what Paul says, because he was a writer, and this is a master work in Romans. But Paul himself told believers, imitate me, because I imitate Christ. And so when I was reading through this introduction to his book, I realized he gives us six things, And shows us six things about his heart that we all as believers ought to emulate. I want to give you those today. Number one, a grateful heart. Everybody say grateful. In verse 8, he starts by saying, first, I thank God. Are you a grateful Christian? Are you a grateful believer? I love it when I, everywhere I go, my family hates it. Julie kind of always, you know, taps me when I do it. But anytime I'm at any cash register, they always say, how are you today, sir? And my standard answer is better than I deserve. I loved it. I just, i better than I deserve. Now, the people that can't handle that, they look at me and say, oh, no, 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 sir. I'm sure you deserve more. And then I'm like coming back with, oh, no, I don't. Do you want to know why I know I don't? And if, they, if they're going to do that, we're going to get into the gospel because I'm going to let them know I'm better than I deserve every day of my life because Jesus took my sins and I have peace with God. I'm living on, on borrowed time and I'm just praising God. So, I'm better than I deserve. Is that your attitude in life? A grateful heart? That's Paul's heart. He starts by saying, First, I thank God. He thanks God for their faith. He says their faith has been told all across the world. It's been an example all across the world, Paul says. And it's an amazing thing because this church is made up of Jewish Christians and non Jewish believers, Greek believers, and boy, are they different. And they got together and made a church. Oh my goodness, an unlikely group of um, people. You know, the Jewish Christians had grown up with rules, rules, rules. Number one, you got to be circumcised. Can you imagine that business meeting when the Jewish people said, "Hey, all you people," and the other people are like, "Wait, we got to talk about this." Okay, Uh, I mean, they're coming from different backgrounds and they're melding together as a church. Oh, and then this word is spread about that all across the world. There's a church in Rome of people that believe in Jesus. Some of them came from the Jewish background. Some of them came from Hellenistic and and all these other uh, false gods. And and here they are together, all saying, I'm with Jesus. That's what all these people said today. I'm with Jesus. From Abigail, our youngest, who couldn't sit down because she had drowned. We had Hebrews standing up all the way to Art, 80 years old, still riding a motorcycle. Whew. All of them said, I'm with Jesus, which once again, I remind you, God never tells us to all be just like one another. He tells us to all be like Jesus. You'll always be you. Amen. Jesse, I'm glad God saved Jesse and he's going to keep Jesse, Jesse, but he's going to change you. And God saved me he uses all of our different personalities and, and quirks, and, and we come together as this church of people, not perfect at all. Those of you who visited today, maybe just family that you, made you come in today. And, and one of your honest gripes might be about church. Well, these people just, they're acting all higher and might. They're, they're not perfect. No, I'm going to tell you, I'm the leader of this little group, and we're not. They went and hired the worst sinner to be their pastor. I mean, we know. Oakwood doesn't say we're, we're perfect people at all. We are just people that come to the cross and say save me and trying to emulate the life of love that jesus taught trying to obey him that's who we are and paul says i'm grateful for you first thessalonians 5 18 says give thanks in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus all means all that's all all means something bad comes from the doctor's visit and, and i'm not telling you be thankful for that health concern But be thankful in that health concern. Because even in the lowest of our lows, he's with you and for you. So give thanks. And Paul's giving thanks here. The second thing I I say in the test, by the way, is am I giving thanks in all things? Am I a thankful person? Secondly, the believer's heart. Paul shows us a praying heart. I thank God, but I also pray for you. Verses 9 and 10. I'm praying. I'm praying that I get to come see you. And I pray for you. Philippians 4.6 teaches us, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with your thanksgiving, present your request to God. Friends, today, anxiety and worry is off the chart. Suicide and suicide ideation and all these things that come with that depression and things are off the chart. And some of you might look at that and say, oh man, the Bible tells us I can't worry, I can't be anxious. No, the Bible knows you will be. And that's why it's saying... Instead of anxiety, go to God in prayer. In the midst of your anxiety, give it to God in prayer. The Bible says don't worry. Uh, Tomorrow's troubles are tomorrow's trouble. Today has enough trouble of its own. The Bible presuppositions that you're going to struggle, have problems, and worry, and all those things. But it does point you to hope and help. It points you there. Prayer. Do I pray more than I worry? Do I pray when I worry? That's Paul. That's what he's teaching here by his praying hard. The third thing I see is a submissive heart in verse 10. He tells them, I've wanted to come to you for so long. He's letting them know, by the way, I haven't ignored you and I haven't put you on the back burner. I've planned to come and it, it's been prevented. And he mentions God's will. Psalm 40 in verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. How many of us as believers would pass this test? Do I ask, is this God's will? Paul recognizes that he's going to keep working toward getting to Rome, his goal to preach the gospel. Actually, his big goal is to preach in Spain. He wants Rome to be his launching point. And so he's got a big goal. And he hasn't been able to get there. Why? I don't know. And nobody knows for sure. That's one of the things in, in Romans that nobody can say they know what has prevented him. He never gives a hint about it. He doesn't tell us in Acts. He doesn't tell us anywhere else. He's just prevented from going to Rome. It could be that he was so busy with the churches he was had right around him, he couldn't break free. I mean, it could be that he was overwhelmed and just, maybe it was simply he was detained. Maybe he literally was physically unable, but we don't know. He was prevented, and he states, by God's will, those of you who had the privilege of knowing Terry Shrek nally and Dr. Dr. Shrek would always talk to me, and we'd say, let's do this again. We'd meet for breakfast, and he would always say, let's do this. I'd say, let's do this again and in a month. He'd say, if God wills it, by the will of God. He might allow us to, and he might not, but it's going to be God's will, God's timing. Do we ask that in our lives? Paul did. Paul had an understanding that he could only succeed he can plan and prepare, but only if it's God's will. From a submissive heart, we go to an unselfish heart. We saw that in verses 11 and 12. I love how Paul says, I'm going to come bless you, but you're also going to bless me. I'm going to give everything I've got. Paul said he poured his life out like a drink offering. He gave himself up for the church. In Acts 20 and verse 35, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, he said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. Paul was aware that he would receive by being with other Christians, but he was promising that he was going to give everything he had to encourage them. And I want you to know there, I, I struggled over that line, changed it a couple times. The test here is am I in church to give and receive? I had or receive, and then I had versus receive, and I kept going, nope, nope. Guess what? It's a both and. I've heard a guy talk about this recently. Both and is better than either or, amen? And this is a both and. When you come to church, I believe you will be blessed, and you will receive a blessing. But your heart attitude ought to be to come and to give. If you come to give, and that's your heart, I almost guarantee you, you'll leave having received more than you gave. It's just a spiritual discipline. The reverse is true. If you come and have expectations, and they get mad because your expectations aren't met, you'll be disappointed. If you come and say, I expect uh, the pastor is going to spend an hour with me every week, well, you might be disappointed. If you come and say, I expect that I'll... uh," Whenever you come with an attitude of just receiving, you're in a a spot of of, be careful with that. But if you come to give, I guarantee you'll be blessed and you'll receive. Uh, We experienced this, Julie and I, we used to take teens to Peak 3 in Colorado. Didn't we love those people? Uh, I had a rotation with the teens that we would do a in our city missions trip, in the state missions trip, and then an inner city in the state trip, and then a global missions trip. So from freshman to senior year, you could be on four different missions trips. But in order to do that, you had to uh, go to peak three with us one summer. And it was a week-long high adventure discipleship training. We climbed to a peak of a mountain. We mountain bike rode. We did a rock climbing and rappelling. And then we did whitewater rafting. Oh, I look back and no wonder why I'm tired. Man, but we discipled these kids and then would send them out to serve. But while we were there, it was interesting. The Peak 3 staff had a mentality to serve us. We were their guests. We would come to dinner, and they'd like, sit down. We'll bring you something to drink. We're going to bring you your food. No, 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 don't get up. We'll take the trash. Leave your trash. Well, I'm trying to train my kids, and I don't want them getting the attitude like, oh, yeah, this is the way it should be. So I said, hey, don't let them out serve you. You get up, and you get everybody something to drink, and you throw your trash. Well, we started a holy war. Man, there was a fight going on. Man, you talk about people diving across tables and jumping on trash. They're like, you can't take it. It's mine. And and it was great. The idea of trying to outserve is so much better than trying to make sure I get everything that I want. Do you see the difference? It's a both-and. Come to give, and you will receive. Oh, I love that concept. And then fifth, I see Paul as a persistent heart. He says to them, I've been planning and I'm going to keep planning. I'm coming. I'm going to be there. God will it. Galatians 6, 9, we learn that let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. (laughs) Paul could have said, I was going to come. Sorry, too busy. No, he said, I was going to come. I'm still planning on coming. I'm going to get there. God will it. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Have you given up too soon? Have you tried and then said it was too hard? Just don't give up. And lastly, I see Paul not only has a persistent heart, he's got an obligated heart. He said, I'm obligated to the Greek and the bar, 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 experience. I'm I'm obligated to the wise and the the unwise. I'm I'm obligated to the poor and the unpoor. I'm obligated to the male and the female. I'm obligated to the Romans. I'm obligated to all mankind to preach the gospel. 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is Paul's heart. Do we give credit to those that have served us. I want to end with this quick story as we look at Paul's heart and test ourselves. Are you a Christian with a grateful heart, a praying heart, a submissive heart, an unselfish heart, a persistent heart, an obligated heart? All this coming from the prologue. We can learn from all of scripture. But I end this whole thought about Obligated and grateful and everything in between. And I read this story that touched me this week. It's about a Vietnam War vet named Charles Plum. Maybe you've heard of Charles. Charles flew fighter jets off the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. He flew 75 successful missions, but on his 76th, he was shot down over North Korea. Uh, A target-to-surface air missile. His jet exploded into flames, but he pulled the ejection handle and popped out and... Landed safely with a parachute, but he spent six years as a prisoner of war in North Korea. At the end of the six years, uh, he was released, went back to be with his family, started a successful business, and became a motivational speaker. Walking around talking about his experience six years as a POW. Well, one day he was in a restaurant having dinner, and the guy at the table next to him went over and said, Hey, aren't you Charles Plum? You flew aircrafts off of the Kitty Hawk. And he says, yes, I am. How do I know you? And the guy says, well, you don't know me. But you just need to know that every time you went out on your jet, I was the guy who packed your parachute. I guess it worked, didn't it? (laughs) And Charles said, I guess you saved my life. And he went back and sat down. And as he sat down, he started thinking about parachutes. And he thought to himself, I never knew that guy existed. We were on the same ship. I probably passed him. I might have ate at the same table. I had no idea that he was packing my chute every time Then he started thinking about other parachutes He Started thinking about his emotional parachute that his family had been packing his whole life making him into the man he was today He started thinking about his mental parachute that his officers and trainers had trained him and that it saved him Six years as a POW his training and mental parachute saved his life then he started thinking about his spiritual parachute, the pastors and the Sunday school teachers and the youth leaders. And he started thinking about all these people who had been packing his parachutes all these years. And he got up from his table, he walked over, and he said, sir, I never properly thanked you for saving my life. Thank you for packing my parachute. And he bought his dinner. And then he went home, and he wrote a letter to every person in his family thanking them for packing his emotional parachute. He went back and wrote a letter to every trainer and officer he had had for packing his mental parachute. And he went back and he wrote a letter to every pastor and teacher and spiritually concerned adult that gave in his life and said, thank you for packing my spiritual parachute. I share that with you today because we can be sometimes self-absorbed as believers and we forget that so much has gone in Paul is the spiritual father to so many people and yet he stopped to thank the Lord for these believers and expected to gain benefit spiritually from them as he gave them. Let's be thankful people. Let's be thankful believers. Why? Better than I deserve. Amen. I've got more. I got more because God sent his son and they called him Jesus. He was born here to be with us. He died on the cross saying he was for us. I have everything I need in this life. A promise of forgiveness of sin. A promise of a, an opportunity to walk a different path. I and mean, Jesse and I, we talked about that, man. We, we made some bad choices, man. We've been down some hard roads and been in some dark situations. And you know what? God still loved us and saved us call this to a new path. I don't care how far you've gone. In your mind today, you might be sitting here saying, but Pastor Don, I've gone far from God. I've learned this in life. No matter how far you've run away from God, if you would just stop and turn around, you would find that he's been there all the time following. He's with you. He's for you. The Bible says, repent. This is not just a, I'm sorry for my sins prayer that you pray and think that that takes care of things this is a a a prayer of repentance luke 13 3 and 5 i tell you no but unless you repent repent means you're walking down the road in life and you need to stop and make a turn you change the ways why because god is there and you give your life to jesus and he's the greater cleaner upper jesse my only hope is jesus your only hope is jesus and we keep looking to jesus that's paul's life Jesse, Paul, Paul, me and you would have a great dinner, wouldn't we? You know, we'd be talking about the junk that we'd done in our lives, and Paul's like, yeah, I killed a few Christians too. We'd be like, ooh, you're the bad one in the group. See what God does? See what God can do when we give our lives to Jesus? He changes us. I pray that's true for you today. I want to... uh, Uh, stop right now, and uh, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask for the children's dedication to two families to meet me here up front, and we're going to do that first. Hold on, Ed. Stay right where you're at. That's going to be after that. We'll be ready to go. Father God, we thank you for this teaching in Romans 1. Help us as we move forward in this book to be challenged in our faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Where's my two families with children We should have uh, Amelia Atchison and Jackson Bailey. Yep. Okay. Good. Did I not give them time? Okay, that's all right. When we get them here, we'll we'll do great. I'm going to explain this while we got time. We do something fun here at Oakwood. (laughs) I say fun. Melissa's about ready to throttle me. Can you see how clean these pennies are? This lady is so good at what she does. She refuses to use used pennies. She goes all over town to either find new pennies or she washes pennies to be this clean. Man, do I work with good people. I just, I love that. But here's what the pennies are all about. And as the families get here, they can come on on up here when they're ready. This jar has 936 pennies. When a newborn is put into the hands of a parent for the first time, that parent has 936 weeks before the child turns 18. That's 936 Saturdays to go on adventures. That's 936 Sundays to worship together. 936 Mondays to seize the day. 936 Wednesdays to get over the hump. 936 weeks. And each week is a gift. This jar of 936 pennies is given them as as an illustration We don't want to put pressure on them, uh, but we're going to give them this. If they wanted to, every Sunday after church, they could go home and they take one penny out and they put it in the empty jar we gave them. Just reminding them that they're investing in the life of their child. And so it's just an illustration 936 weeks that they have to raise those children. And that's what we're doing here today. Come on up, families. So I have Amelia. And Jackson, how about you come over on this side of me? Come over here, Jackson. Awesome, thank you. All right, you met the Atchisons. They got baptized today. This is Amelia, and so what they're doing is families. And some faith backgrounds might call these baby dedications, and I'm not against that, but. But really and honestly, we can't do anything spiritually to anybody. I can't declare spiritualness on on children or anything. But the Bible would say it's the parent's job to give these children every opportunity to know Jesus and to grow in a relationship with Him. So instead of actually dedicating the babies to Christ, we're actually going to ask the parents if they're going to dedicate themselves to that task. And then as a church... At the end, I want to ask, will we dedicate ourselves to helping them? It's not the church's job, but we sure can come alongside. How many of you have been parents? How many you love it when somebody comes alongside and gives you help? Well, that's what the church needs to say. We're dedicating ourselves to giving these children every opportunity to know Jesus and grow in that relationship. So is that your plan is to give Amelia every opportunity to know Jesus? How about you? Is that your plan for Jackson? Almost as cool as Jackson, but Jackson—every opportunity to know Jesus and grow in Him—fantastic. I hope you heard my little speech on the 936 pennies. If not, we'll give you the the written thing. That's exciting. So, um, Jackson is not going to get in my arms, I'm sure. Will Amelia come to me? Maybe. Will she come? No, I'm scary. I'm scary. She's not the first girl that looked at me and turned away. Awesome just bring her close. I want to pray a blessing. Father God, we thank you for these children. Children are a blessing. They're precious to you, Lord. And we thank for parents that say this is an important work. And God, they've dedicated themselves to giving these two, Amelia and Jackson, every opportunity to know Jesus and then to grow in that. And then I would ask you, church, those of you from Oakwood, if you would agree and say uh, we dedicate ourselves to helping, if you'd stand. Stand in agreement and say, I dedicate myself to helping these people. So, Father, we stand with these parents. It's, a, it's kind of a metaphor right now, but we stand with them and we're for them. And our goal, God, is that this family would have every opportunity and all the tools they need in this task of raising godly kids. God, we thank you for them. We thank you for this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Give these families a round of applause and we'll let you take the... Let you take that. Nice to meet you, Jackson. And then I'd like to have all the families that are coming into membership today come stand up here right in front of the stage. List, list, list. The Atchison's, the Case family, the Allen family, and the Gay family. Want them all to come. Colby's here first. Hit it, bud. Nice. We've got the Atchison's. We've got the Allen family here. We've got the Case family. You saw Mila being baptized today. Come on up, Gay family. I don't know all the kids' names. Well, give me, give me their names. Charlie, Charlie? Yep. Charlie. Scarlett, Keegan, Alice, Kate, Aiden, and we met Jared today. We baptized Jared this morning. Isn't that great? It's being a good example for his family. Ah, uh, let's see. Um, Oh, you got it all out of order. So we have, uh, Katie was baptized today, and Heidi and Sophia. Sophie. Is it Sophia? And you call Sophie? Or you're just Sophie? And the pastor's in big trouble. I tried. And then there's the older one is Chloe. <gasps> Chloe, Sophie, Katie, why in the world? Heidi and Colby. You're looking at me like I forgot you. Okay. He knows where the candy's at in my office. We're on good terms. And the Atchison's, you just met them and our sweet, sweet one here. So these are people that have come and said, uh, we want to be all in and be part of Oakwood. And we bring them up front because uh, if you want to, we'd encourage you to come and just welcome them and say, hey, we're glad you're here. And if you'd be gracious enough to hang out, they'll come by and maybe shake your hands and, and say, we're glad you're with us. And so, can I, can I sneak through? There we go. I didn't leave myself a path. So we close every service that we do communion at with this blessing. Judy, thank you, Judy, posted how special that was. And so we're going to keep that tradition alive. I want to sing the blessing to you as a people today. A benediction. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless. You are welcome to go in peace this morning and welcome these new members into our congregation. Have a great day.